Welcome, welcome, welcome back to Real Talk Rangers. We are extremely excited for you guys to hear our first New York Islanders guest, but that will come a little bit later in the pod, so be sure to tune in. Stay tuned for that as we have Alex Buddy Peck coming oh, on buddy. Talk Isles. Buddy, buddy boy. Great nickname. So, as always, we are going to start the show just kind of a little temperature check of where the Rangers are at at this point right now. As everyone listening already knows, they are in the middle of maybe the best starting division I've ever seen in my life. The Metropolitan Division right now, we are 20-10-1 with 41 points, and we're not even in first place. So Pittsburgh is 41 points. They've played two fewer games than us. The Blue Jackets are one point behind. They've played four fewer games than us. The Capitals, two points back, have played three fewer games. And then Philadelphia has two points fewer than we do and has played the same number of games and Philly's in fifth place as we were just talking about off the air Flyers are in fifth right now in the division they're 18 10 and 3 so yeah the Flyers the Flyers have 39 points and I was looking before they would be in second place in two of the other divisions and then in one of the divisions they'd be leading the division and they are fifth in the Metropolitan just yeah. put that in perspective for a little bit yeah that's that's pretty good by the way I'm Greg and that's Derek uh forgot to introduce us here but let's get right into the weekend review to see how we've gotten into the little place that we're in right now so we're in second as i mentioned the last game that we have not covered is last thursday we started our little mini road trip back-to-back games we started off in winnipeg manitoba and we went up to winnipeg and we won there was a 2-1 win. win they made as we had predicted earlier in the show right before, we thought that we would see Ranta on Thursday night in Winnipeg because, you know, you had Friday night in Chicago coming up next and the first leg of a back-to-back, and we, you usually go with your quote-unquote backup goalie. So it all made all the sense in the world. Ranta comes in, plays a really, really nice game. First leg of the back-to-back, uh, they actually they scored one of the nicer goals on this season, if you recall, there was a nice power play goal. There was a real quick Zook, one time pass to Step, one time pass to Kreis, just buried it. It's how you draw it up. Encouraging, they scored two power play goals in that game, and they, they got the win, two points. Yeah, I mean, we, we predicted Ronta playing Thursday. You know what we didn't predict? Ronta dominating and playing Ronta playing. Ronta playing Friday, Sunday, and Tuesday. That's what we didn't predict. We're going to get to that in a little bit. Correct. But, yeah, this game was a real grind-out kind of game. Ended up pulling it out. And like you said, special teams was key. Both both goals come on the power play, Kreider and Hayes. Um, just a really tough grinded-out win. Ronta was phenomenal, and that set the table for Ronta's little run here. Uh, Friday, we go into Chicago, and I got to tell you, this is the best game I've seen in a very, very long time. Agreed. Absolutely um, agreed. It, it spoke volumes to people who say oh my god we need to have more goal scoring in this league the goalie pads need to get less we need to see 10 goals a game we got to get football scores every night watch friday's game if you're one of those people and tell me that's not the most exciting game you've ever seen and it ends one nothing on a on a on an overtime goal 
it one of the was, best games I've ever seen. It was the game of the year, in my opinion. Definitely. I think Definitely. part of the the modern game and the way that these goal scorers are just running around and lighting the lamp all the time, and even the Rangers in particular with their incredible start, goals four, uh, you kind of get spoiled in terms of watching good goalie duels. I know, you know, Rata had great numbers throughout the year, but they weren't. There was like three one wins and four two wins. When you have a game like that, a 0-0 goaltender duel, I we haven't seen anything like that all year, and it, it just goes to sh- it's really seemed like a throwback almost, and yeah, it was it was just really really exciting. It's it had that playoff type atmosphere feel to it. I think that's also a product of the two teams that were playing, being us in Chicago, two upper echelon teams at the moment, uh, and yeah, I, I Ranta stood on his head. He. I believe that was the game where he made that pad stack save. Sure was. That yeah. one will go down. Yeah, I'll remember that one for quite some time. Yeah. Uh, just just wild. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. I mean if you, you want to talk about being on the edge of your seat, what's what's more exciting than knowing that that, that first goal is probably gonna decide the game? So then you have the Marion Hosa goal um, that gets that gets right. discarded because of the offsides. Uh, I want to talk really quick and get your opinion on the offsides. I am not a huge fan of the replay rule and here's my reasoning um when it's so close to call like that i know you have to get the call right but it just seems so ridiculous that you're literally looking at threads of the of the person's skate being on or off the ice the second thing is they need to revise the rule about this the, his skate being off the ice i just think it's ridiculous if your skates off the ice but you're over the blue line still why yeah. are you off sides you're not over the blue line I just think it's a ridiculous rule that needs to be looked at. I don't, I don't know your opinion on that. Yeah, I think that they will probably look at that. I don't know how prevalent it is throughout the league. I know that I've seen it before and been like... I've seen it a few times, And yeah. been like, what, what is this? Like, what is this rule? It doesn't really make a lot of sense. Uh, it's not quite up there with the intentable, the whistle in my book, which is oh, just yeah. the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But yeah, yeah I, I agree. I mean, they, I think they need to look at it again and... You saw Hosa shaking his head and like like really like I I, I don't know it, it just seems I, it's a weird rule. I think maybe the idea behind it is that it's it's very hard to judge where someone's foot is when it's up off the ice, and I think that's part of the reasoning it's in there. But I just think it's ridiculous. I mean, it, that just means if my leg is lifted over, but I'm three feet over over the blue line, I'm still off sides. It, it just doesn't right. make if sense. To if me. your skate is an inch off the ground, yeah. I, yeah, I think they just sense. they just wanted a bright line rule, like you just said. Uh, they just wanted to be able to have open and shut cases, and I guess I guess they got the result they wanted here. But I think it's something to be looked at for sure. But yeah, uh, and just really quick on Ronta yeah. too in that game, he you know he gets the shutout, which is you know obviously a feat in itself. But he's fifteen zero and three when he plays at the United Center, and obviously most of that came from when he played with Chicago, but still just, I mean, he's never lost at the, at the uh, Chicago home arena, which is, which is unbelievable to me. Yeah. That's cra- That's crazy. Considering he, he played a couple of years there, <laughs> which is yeah, and, just absurd. And, and also uh, just quickly on that, I don't know if people saw after the game, Darling and Ronta actually came together at center ice to kind of talk and congratulate each other on just a great game. Obviously if you're, if someone wins a game one, nothing in, in, in the overtime, you basically, Basically, both goalies got a shutout, but only one can technically get it. Um, just an amazing, an amazing thing. Amazing sportsmanship. I'll just leave it at that. Agreed. To see those guys. And yeah. they actually, I think they did that twice. I think they did that after both games. 
We'll get to they the second have, yeah. game shortly against Chicago. But, yeah, also just real quick to finish the, our thoughts on the first Chicago game, I don't think I've heard Sam Rosen get up for a call like that all season. I think that plays back into the edge of your seat feeling. When Nick Holden came down and scored in overtime, it was just electric. Sammy was just thrilled about it, and it was great. That was just an epic ending to an epic game. Last time he was that excited might have been the Cup. Might have been. Yeah, possibly. Might have been. Might have been. Saved by Richter! Uh, Sunday night, <laughs> we came back home after the little mini road trip. Ranta had just won a pair of games. And Elian Vigneault decided to continue rolling with Ranta. Why not? And, you got to. What what happened Sunday night? I forget. Against the Devils? Uh, we pretty much dominated. 5 nothing win. Another shutout for Ranta. Oh, another shutout. Say? Another shutout for Ranta after a back-to-back. Okay. So he's he's doing all right right now. That was, uh, I would say that was a dominant performance. The Devils were completely outclassed. There was really never a period while you're watching that game where you, where the game was in doubt at all. No, so. no. And, and, you know, Ronta, Ronta was locked in. It wasn't like, it wasn't like the devils weren't, weren't, weren't battling hard. I mean, Ronta made some real tough saves. He's just locked in. He's just locked in right now. Yeah. Agreed. He, he was just totally, totally zoned in on the puck. So they beat New Jersey five, nothing. Then comes Tuesday night. So the rematch of the Chicago Blackhawks and this is, I'm going to call it Darling's Revenge because yeah, Scotty Darling, and kudos to him, a backup in his own right, who's been thrust into the starting role because of uh, Corey Crawford's appendectomy, which is actually, I didn't realize it would take this long to recover, but yeah, I guess that makes sense. So yeah. Darling makes 33 saves. This was a, a tough one to lose for the Rangers. I felt like they had a ton of chances. Ronta played, again, like we said, common theme. He played really, really well. Uh, but in the end, I mean, they, they just couldn't find a way to score that second goal. And they get the first one off a deflection from Faust, and and it was it's just a tough loss. It's a tough loss coming off such a good stretch of play, and I think it pretty much locks in Hank to play on Thursday night. What, what, what do you think? Yeah, I think that... You know, Ronta still played a really, really good game, but I think the fact that, that we finally got the loss, I, I think it's it's time to give Hank another chance on uh, on Thursday against a, a pretty struggling Dallas team. Um, I don't think anyone really thought that Ronta was going to take over the job, and if you did, you're you're either crazy or have no idea what you're talking about. Um, yeah, this, is, this is your first season watching or following the Rangers. Yeah, I mean, Lundqvist, Lundqvist was going to get the net back. It was just a matter of when. And to be honest, if Ronta had won that game Tuesday, he would Ronta would have played Thursday. That's just how it is. I mean, As he should have, yeah. You can't take a goalie out that's, that's you know, had two shutouts and given up two goals in four games. I mean, and, and winning all his games. You know, you can't take that goalie out. So Hank will get his chance, but I'll tell you what. If Hank's got a short leash now, I, if he has a bad game against Dallas, I think Saturday's 50-50 whether you get Ronta or Lundqvist. I really do. Yeah, I think I think Hank's leash will be shorter. Um, I know, listen, at this point, given his career and, and how everything's gone so far this year and the looks on his face when the camera does pan to him on the bench after his fourth straight game, uh, I, I, I expect him to come out and play a good game. I, I think that... I think that this is a critical juncture right now. I mean, if he comes out and plays a bad game and then they go back to Ronta, 
and then he plays a couple more games, and then Hank comes back and plays another bad game. Like, it's possible that it just, you know, it just builds up and snowballs into a really, really bad situation. That would be a terrible situation for the goalies, for the team, and for AV. You know the New York media and the spotlight would be all over it. They already are, and it's not even a controversy right now. Already all over it. So, I, but I fully expect Hank to come out. I, I mean, he's been focusing as I wanted to, him to, to do last week. I think he's gone back to the basics with Benoit Allaire and just working on, you know, rebound control, uh, steadying yourself in front of the net, and probably more than anything else, working on his confidence. I mean, the guy looked shook. You mentioned last time his body language was in the gutter, and that's oh, yeah. not where you want a goalie who confidence is pretty much everything. I mean, it's arguably like it's it's skill obviously first and then it's confidence right thereafter. So what do you what do you think Hank's gonna look like if and when he I, comes back this week? I think I think he gives up two on Thursday and we win four two. I think I think the team is gonna battle around him. I think he's gonna battle. He he's a competitive guy. He does not like the fact that he just sat on the bench for four straight games. Um I really think he has a really good game. I think he gives up two like I said, two, we win the game. Dallas is struggling. They have no goaltending. I don't see it being an issue. Um, I, I think he plays well. And I think, like I had l- alluded to it the, in the last podcast, I think the Rangers need to start looking at a two-goalie system. I think that, look, Ronta had his four games. He played really good. You got you got three out of four wins out of it. Uh, put Lundqvist in. He has a good couple games. As soon as he has that bad game after three, four, five games, put Ronta back in for a game or two. See how he does. I think it needs to start getting more of that. Instead of what it had been in the past, where Ronta would get a spot start every five, six, seven games, no matter what, one at a time. Hey, if if Ronta plays a good game, put him back in there and don't be afraid to. That's what I think we've learned over the last you know week. Yeah, I think that's I'm, important. I'm gonna have to go ahead and correct you. You said if Ronta plays a good game, I'm gonna go ahead and throw out when Ronta <laughs> plays a good game because that's true. His right numbers, now. his numbers on the year. Let's go through these numbers so far. So, yeah, yeah. Auntie Ronta sitting here at, at eight and two. He's got a 1.69 goals against and a 941 save percentage and two shutouts, back-to-back shutouts. And then yeah. you go over to Hank and you got, I mean, 12-8-1 with a, a 2.55 and a 9.12 save percentage. Those are probably, I think, historically low numbers for Hank, if not uh, barring his rookie season. So the numbers are a bit alarming, but again, more alarming than anything else were the the quality and the context in which he was giving up those goals and I think yeah. that a lot of it again has to do with confidence and if he just makes a couple of saves that he should make and they don't start the game down one nothing after 40 seconds as per usual with Hank it seems then I think you're in for a much steadier outing and I think that he can rebound and we can play more of the like you said 50-50 split ride the hot goalie uh, that would be beneficial for everyone involved I think yeah, I think you nailed it on the head just to just to end this segment. I mean, I think that I think that Lundqvist, you know, if he gives up two or three goals, it's okay. It's it's not that he was giving up two or three. It's the type of goals he was giving up. Shots from the blue line, shots from the red line, um, easy wrist shots from the top of the circle. Things like that can't go in even on a even on a backup goalie or a, a subpar goalie, let alone an all-star goalie like Henrik Lundqvist. And I think you nailed it. It's all about his confidence. He's just not feeling it right now. Hopefully he'll gain that back this week. Hopefully starting tomorrow. But I think you nailed it with that with that you know, analysis there. 
Thanks, bud. Thanks, bud. Oh, you, uh, you got it. Oh, and bud? Speaking, speaking, of, speaking bud. of bud, there we go. Like that segue. So let's kick it to our interview with Alex Buddy Peck uh, and and talk some aisles and get some updates about maybe uh maybe a couple statistics that we might not even have known about as Ranger fans. So let's kick it there. All right, we are very excited now to welcome on our first ever New York Islanders guest to the show here. So we've got Alex Buddy Peck uh, on the line. He is a contributor to the PT Isles podcast, and he also writes for Gotham Sports Network. So, Alex, what's going on? How's uh, how are things going over there in Islanders land? Oh man, uh, that is a loaded question, my friend. It's tough. <laughs> Start you off uh, hot, yeah. Yeah, seriously, we're we're getting into it, aren't we? Um, I don't know. Islanders suck. There's maybe two good players on the team that I can name right now who are having good seasons. Uh, so you know, it's gonna be a fun podcast, guys. Thank you so much for having me on. Of course, of course. Yeah, um, so yeah, that was an extremely extremely loaded question. But the first <laughs> the first real question I kind of wanted to get into. Uh, so I don't really know from the perspective of an Islanders fan what their thoughts are, what your thoughts are on the move to Brooklyn, right? So. Just, I guess, starting off in terms of you grew up, I'm sure, rooting for the Islanders, watching them on the island, uh, seeing them move to, to the city, to, to Brooklyn. Uh, what are your thoughts on on just the general move, and what are your thoughts on playing at Barclays? Like, is it as bad as as people make it out to be? It, it's really not, guys. Uh, I'm from the Suffolk County on Long Island, so uh, going to games was a half-an-hour drive in my car. Now it's a little over an hour ride on the train transfer at Jamaica to get into Atlantic Terminal, um, which really isn't that big of a deal. Uh, yeah, it's an extra half an hour on your commute. But uh, watching the team move from Nassau Coliseum, I mean, the old barn, it was it was a great building. I mean, besides how run down it was, but like it, it was home. Yeah. Now they moved to the Barclays. This is an arena that was specifically built for basketball. Right. Uh, now, I don't know. If, yeah, I don't know if you guys know this, but when they were designing the Barclays Center, they were communicating with Charles Wong, who is now the minority owner uh, of the Islanders, asking, hey, Charles, uh, do you plan on coming to the Barclays? Should we build this arena as if we're going to host a hockey team? No, no, no. He says uh, we're going to stick with the Lighthouse Project, uh, which he had envisioned a beautiful state of the art arena right where the Coliseum sits with, mm-hmm. you know, amenities and like a mall and. It was going to be really nice on paper. Uh, as you guys know, that never happened. Uh, and the team ends up moving to the Barclays, uh, which is uh, because of that. It's one of the reasons why they don't have the steel PVC pipes. I don't know if you guys saw that story. Uh, but one of the reasons that their ice is so bad is that, well, the plain and simple, the arena wasn't made for hockey. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're trying to tend to this NHL franchise in a basketball arena, um, which in my first game, it was weird. I have to say it was weird to see, you know, because, like, part of the tradition did come over, like, the fans, the chants. Uh, they even had, like, the same organists or the same voice and the same guys playing music. Um, but the, the first thing you notice, of course, is that stupid off-center scoreboard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you see, like, the whole arena is just – it's just so wonky for hockey. I mean, I've never been there for a Nets game, but I'm sure it's beautiful because it is a state-of-the-art facility. But uh, as an Islanders fan, uh, I don't like the move, but it's better than them going to Quebec or Seattle. Yeah, I, mean, I, I went to I went to the Coliseum once, and uh, 
you know, it's not all that bad of an arena, but the first thing you notice is you got about a 12 inch jumbotron up there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Can't, can't really see anything. And then, you know, moving to moving to Brooklyn, the Barclays Center, the, the arena is gorgeous itself. But it is. Yeah. Uh, I went to I went to a Rangers Islanders game there and I was like right on the border where you could almost not see that one side goal of the goal. Yeah. And the people a couple seats over from me literally couldn't see it and had to watch on the screen the whole time. So you mentioned the first thing you notice is the off-center scoreboard. And then the second thing I always notice is that car in the corner. What is up with that car in the corner? <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, man. You got to love advertising, product placement, all that stuff. Yeah, um, that's all you see in the, in the game is that car. Yeah, it's, it's the f- weirdest thing. I don't think there's an arena who has a vehicle, you know, in spitting <laughs> literally distance of the glass. parked. Yeah, parked Literally inside. parked. That's wild. You can't get better seats than that. You know, we were joking like uh, the penalty box should just be sitting in the passenger seat or something like or yeah, have, have Sparky the Dragon sitting in it. I don't know. <laughs> throw him you in know, the trunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, throw him in the trunk. Do something. Um, but, you and, know, and also, I think yeah. I think real quick, just players would talk also about the ice being not not as good and stuff like that. But the thing is, is that a lot of arenas are getting like that where they're doing multiple things during the day. Basketball at 12 o'clock and then hockey at seven. The ice is right. getting choppy in a lot of places, not just the Barclay Center. So, yeah, so. you're right. Um, I mean, and Kyle Oposos come out and said it last year how poor the ice is. Uh, Kyle Clutterbuck this year, and then they kind of had their uh, HR department tell the players to uh, stop mentioning how garbage the ice is. So they've kind of <laughs> put they they put the rest of that. Yeah. Nice, interesting way to handle that situation. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Um, so the next thing I want to talk about was uh, recently, so I think it was yesterday or two days ago, you extended uh, Cal Clutterbuck um, five years. I think it was 3.5 per. Um, just thoughts on that, initial thoughts? Uh, I'm a big Cal Clutterbuck fan. I like the style that he brings to the team. I mean, this is a Jack Capuano coached team we're talking about. They play hard. They play smart. That's his, you know, his little phrase. Um, <laughs> Sounds familiar. And Clutterbuck, yeah, yeah. Clutterbuck's the guy that does that for him. He's a grinder. He's going to go into the corner, uh, work on the, you know, get those loose pucks. Uh, but he's also got an underrated wrist shot, and he is a good forward, a good third liner, uh, pretty pretty versatile, not very versatile. Um, I think the term is a little bit, excuse me, I think the value is a little bit much. Uh, I don't mind the term as much. Uh, it's good to lock up a guy like that, I think. Okay, interesting. I, uh, yeah, I, I totally do understand that. I also saw an article that uh, he's one of John Tavares' favorite favorite guys in the room and on the ice. So yeah. I'm sure that probably helped his cause in terms of just getting a longer deal, staying around. Um, I know you also have Nikolai Kuhlman. Is he still? He's, on, he's still on the team, right? Oh yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. Uh, what is it? He's <laughs> at over four a year at this point. I think yeah, something so like that. If we if we're yeah. talking about bad contracts, Nikolai Kuhlman is a great place to start. Um, four million per. I think he's got two more years left on his contract. Uh, he just scored his third goal of the season tonight. Nice uh, against. Nice. Yeah, things are turning oh around. Goodness. Yeah, yeah, against the Capitals. <laughs> yeah, things are turning around. Twenty-seven <laughs> games in. Uh, deflection <laughs> off a Letty shot. Yeah. Uh, but the, it's been a tough go because originally he and uh, Mikhail Grabowski came over uh, in the off season, um, and like a few years before they signed with the Islanders, they were producing for. Uh, it was a Toronto. Right. They were each had almost 25, 30 goals. They were that great pair. Uh, they both come over in overpaid contracts, do nothing. Grabowski is currently on long-term IR with a head injury. He 
guy just can't seem to get healthy. So I don't, I don't know if we're ever even going to see Hrabovsky step up, step on the ice again. Yeah, that's really unfortunate. Hate to see those. Yeah. Uh, I guess the next question naturally would be your goalie situation. I know. I oh, mean, is there even yeah. really a situation? Isn't it just Halak's net, Halak down? See, it. There's times where it is Halak down. It's Halak's net. Uh, but then he has, you know, a stinker. Like I think he, w- I think he played in Columbus for that six-two game. Yeah, he did. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they'll turn it over to Grice. He'll have a game. He'll do well. Uh, you know, if he does really well, he'll get another game. Uh, but then ultimately, they always end up falling back on Halak. But Thomas Grice is a good goalie. Besides what his previous seasons have said, uh, last season with the Islanders, he was doing very well. The season before that, he was basically a career backup. Um, but now. If we're getting into the goalie conversation, we can't not talk about J.F. Berube because what yeah. in the world is Garth Snow doing with a third goalie on his roster? Completely yeah, was, waste. Yeah, completely yeah, wasting just, a roster. Yeah, go ahead. I, I mean, I was just going to say, I mean, the other night, I thought it was basically Halak and Grice on the bench. And then the other night, you have Halak playing and Berube on the bench. So it's like you're you're playing around with this three-goalie system. No one knows who's playing, who's going to be on the bench, what's going on. That's got to be confusing for three goalies to be going through. Yeah, I could only imagine. Uh, and Halak last season, uh, after they were eliminated in the playoffs, came out and said, "Listen, I'm sick of this three goalie system. Uh, you're not you're sharing nets with guys at practice. It cuts in on your practice time." Uh, and then even his his agent Alan Walsh came on Twitter and was basically bashing Garth Snow for this stupid three goalie system, which, in my opinion, is completely outlandish. I don't know how you yeah. have a guy like JF Berube stay on your roster. I mean. Is there a chance that he gets picked up on waivers? Sure, but there's a chance everybody gets picked up on waivers when right, you yeah. put, send a guy down to the minors. It's a risk you you got to take if you want to keep Halak and Grace. And, uh, you know, on the next hand, if you don't want to keep Halak and Grace, then why aren't you making a move? It's December 13th. Yeah. It's been two months. Can you make a trade? Or, like, what, is your phone broken, Garth? I don't get it. <laughs> <that. laughs> Halak did come out and say he was open to being traded, right? So that, that's been a yeah. while. So what really what happened was after Alan Walsh sent those tweets, uh, Garth Snow, instead of firing back and tr- making a trade and giving Halak the time, he decided to put him on the trading block and alert every other general manager that he's available. Right, right. So, you know, it's very, uh, you do this and I'm going to do this instead of uh, in a more mature way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, I yeah, mean, this that's... is this is a guy we're talking about who keeps the head coach in his basement, so... Yeah, I did hear about this. Yeah, That's if we want to talk about that, please, let's do it. Go go ahead. Yeah, please, yeah. please let's that. get into that. Let's get into that. So uh, <laughs> I forget the news outlet. It wasn't a news outlet like ABC or NBC. It was something a little less popular. Um, after the rumor was, was, you know, the rumor actually started a few years ago. I think it was a Twitter account by the name of Isles Nation said the rumor. You know, it was a good laugh. We moved on. Uh, and then on the Boomer and Carton show on WFAN, uh, they brought it up again. And Boomer asked, I, it was either Carton or someone else they had on the show, like, guess where uh, Capuano lives? Long Island. Yeah. <laughs> In Garth Snow's basement. Um, and then it just got bigger and bigger. And then that's when that news source that I just can't think of the name uh, reached out to the Islanders and asked, does Capuano live in Garth Snow's basement or on his property or in a guest house or anywhere affiliated with the general manager? And the New York Islanders declined to comment about oh, it. Oh, wow. All, they all pled they the fifth. Was, yeah, all they said was Capuano does live on Long Island. That is the only information <laughs> that they gave. Like, Something are you serious? Are you serious? 
This yeah. is unreal. Wow. Like, and now, now we get into the conversation of now, how do you fire a guy who pays you rent every month? You know, like, <laughs> I. Yeah. There, yeah, yeah. there was another story. Um, Con Isles of Barstool said something on his podcast uh, uh, about one of his friends delivered pizza to the Garth Snow House, and both of them answered the door. Can <laughs> <laughs> you imagine that? Like, oh, hey guys. Oh my but, goodness. And also now at this point, once that story picks up, it just snowballs. Who knows who's telling oh, the yeah. truth anymore? What's going on? And I'm sure like, they're just laughing about it, whether it's true or not. But it, either way, it's it's a funny story, and especially for us bloggers, like it, it's great to just go off on. Uh, we've done it so many times on PT Isles. We've it's <laughs> it's almost like a reoccurring joke. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have to ask because as a Rangers fan. Uh, I find your guys' goal chant to be very, very annoying, and I, I just want your—I want your thought on it, whether whether you like it, because I know some Islander fans that actually do not like it at all. So I'm just curious what you think. I don't know any of those. You know, I—I <laughs> I, I liked it at first. Uh, I think it's getting a little bit old, but yeah, I mean, yeah. it, it's not—it's not where it's old, where it's like, oh my god, we got to do the SS chant again. It's like, oh, it's just kind of like lost its its feel. Cause like it was huge, like especially like in the playoffs. Cause then you see like the players do it back to you. And I don't know, it's kind of a thing. Uh-huh. Um, but like now it's in NHL 17 when the Islanders win a home game, and yeah. you've got you've got Daniel Bryan, the uh, wrestler who you know kind of did it for himself, uh, coming to an Islanders game. I think it was their opening game, uh, and he you know led the yes 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 chant. It's like all right, this is getting a little too too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like let's just tone it down. Like it's a nice fun little thing, but. There's times where it needs to be toned down, in my opinion. <laughs> that's yeah. that's totally fair. I, um, I completely agree. Yeah. <laughs> I have a uh, okay. So I don't know if you. I'm assuming. Did you ever go to any Ranger games growing up at the Garden? No, never. Have you heard? I've, of I've the, been to the Garden, but I've not been to a Rangers game. Okay, okay. You sh- you should do that. You should go to a Rangers Islands game. They're they're pretty. Intense I, I want usually. to. It, you know, yeah. college budget, you know. Oh, I totally get that. Uh, totally get that. Yeah. Um, but have you – so do you know about the Potvin Sucks chant? I do. I know I know about the Potvin Sucks chant. I heard they actually do it uh, – like I've seen videos where they do it at events that aren't even Rangers games, like at yeah. like concerts and stuff. Like <laughs> – it, I, I do think it's actually kind of funny. I do. It's it's funny. I just I just think it's totally overplayed, but yeah. Yeah, that, that too is overplayed, and – to be honest, every single home game, the Islanders play the "If you know you're happy and if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands." And then everyone says, "If you know the Rangers suck, clap your hands." Like it's kind of yeah. the same thing. Oh. It's an overplayed. Oh my God, it's beat. It's beat to death. Yeah. But I mean, you know, it's another thing that everybody does. It's kind of a tradition, even though it's kind of a weird one. <laughs> so who who's your who's your team that you think is going to come out of the East? Ooh, yeah, okay. on the spot. predictions here. Okay. <laughs> Just throw yeah. that out. All right, and I don't <laughs> like, think it's going to be the Islanders. I'm, I'm and I'll, oh, I'll that. I'll bet you hundred dollars it's not the Islanders. <laughs> I wouldn't um, take that ever. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say something that'll make all of my followers hit the unfollow button. I do think it could be the Rangers this year. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. I, I as much as it pains me to say, you know, I'm an Islanders fan, but I'm also an NHL fan. Uh, you got Ryan McDonough on the back end, who, in my opinion, is an elite defenseman. Uh, sure, is Hank struggling? Yeah, but. He, Hank's Hank. He'll pick it back up. Uh, and when he's not picking it up, look at Antti Ranta. He's killing it, too. Uh, guys like JT Miller have stepped up. Uh, Jesper Fast had a nice goal tonight. Um, 
Brady, Brady freaking Shea, guys. I'm Is this kid real exciting? Real exciting. Yeah, he, yeah, he took some monster. serious strides in the playoffs last year, playing top pair minutes uh, against the Penguins, even though we got smacked around in that series. But, <laughs> yeah, Brady Shea, super young. I think he's second or third in rookie scoring among like wow. in amongst defensemen. It's just really, yeah, really, really there. encouraging. Yeah. He's doing well. Uh, really, most of the team's doing well. And I can't mention it without saying Michael Grabner's name. How much of a yeah. thorn in my butt that is. Yeah. Um, what does he have? 12 goals now? 13 goals? He's at thir- 13, 13 goals. Something about- 13 goals, yeah. <laughs> oh, my. Didn't he? Uh, <laughs> yeah, when he came up with you guys, didn't he score like 30 mm-hmm. in his first year? Rookie season, he had either 30 or 34, uh, which is outstanding. I mean, he's he had the hands. He he still has the speed. He had that great wrist shot. Uh, so, you know, he's a good power play guy when he's got those skills. He's a good penalty killer with the speed. Uh, and he's the fastest skater on the ice on five on five. Yeah. Uh, but then then he's, his hands turn to stone and he gets two breakaways a game, but he can't do anything with them. Then the rest of the game, he's, he's, he's skating, but he's not doing anything with the puck. Uh, gets shipped to Toronto for a bag of pucks and a goalie. <laughs> and then... Uh, does nothing in Toronto, signs with the Rangers, and here he is producing, you know. Yeah, you, you so have to it, wonder. It, you're right. You're right. That That's exactly the game script every single game with Grabner. He gets every, two breakaways, yeah. and he gets stoned on a couple of them. But this year, yeah, things have changed. You have to really question whether that's just a product of the system that he's in or his confidence is, is sky high once the team starts winning, once he starts actually scoring. Yeah. I guess it's a combination, yeah. but, yeah, it's pretty wild so I, far this year. I do think it's part of the system, though, because – uh, I said earlier, Capuano, you know, he plays that that hard, smart system where you, you dump it in, you go, you work hard, you battle for the puck, you get it. Uh, and then I don't know what you do from there. You shoot it. <laughs> I mean, that, <laughs> when in doubt, shoot. Yeah, that's... <laughs> when in doubt, shoot. But, you know, yeah, shoot and crash I, the net. I, it's, yeah, exactly. That's basically it. That's why we have Anders Lee. Um, uh, but I watch all these other teams uh, and more specifically Patrick Kane, who dangled between two Rangers players today. He didn't score, but the gif was all over Twitter. Um, I, I look at guys in systems that really allow for skilled players. Uh, and I think Michael Grabner is clearly a skilled player. And I'm going to revert this back to the Islanders. I think uh, a guy who's really struggling right now, fifth overall pick in 2011, Ryan Strom, is a guy who's suffering from Capuano's dump and chase hockey. This is a kid who is able to dangle around defenseman and you know go forehand backhand and score he's not going to snipe on you like Alex Ovechkin or Patrick Lyonet and no he doesn't have the passing that maybe John Tavares has but he's still like a, a highly gifted forward with hands with playmaking ability but when he's thrown on the third line with Jason Chimera and Shane Prince you're going to be dumping the puck in from the blue line hitting people and then losing the puck and then going right back to the bench Right, I, so right. I think Michael Grabner's success is coming off of Elaine Vigneault's impressive system. Uh, I mean, this is a world-class coach we're talking about, guys. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. Although, I mean, we've had our, our uh, issues with him a little bit to an extent, but it's kind of nitpicky. Mm. I mean, there are times last year when he would it, – it would come off as arrogant to an extent where he would just – he wouldn't shy away from sticking with the same guys in the same situations. Yeah. Playing Girardi – you know, Girardi had a down year last year, and instead of yep. facilitating it and making it a little bit easier, maybe pairing him backwards a little bit, he would just continue to roll in with McDonough against top lines when it was obvious to everyone in the building except <laughs> AV that he wasn't 
he really wasn't apt to handle that at the time. So, but overall, yeah, I mean, when you have a bunch of skilled forwards and everyone's clicking like this, then you can see the maximum potential of AV system, and it's it's pretty beautiful. It's beautiful hockey to watch. Yeah, it is. And uh, going back to your point about the defenseman, uh, again, I'm going to revert this back to the Islanders. Look at Nick Letty and Travis Hamonic. Hamonic has, uh, at least before tonight's game, he had the league's worst plus-minus among defensemen with minus 17. He and Letty have been playing on the same pairing since opening night puck drop. Why? Yeah. <laughs> clearly, there's, clearly there's a disconnect here. Uh, why not move Nick Letty down? And maybe give Johnny Boychuk and Thomas uh, and Travis Tamnick a chance, or newly acquired Dennis Seidenberg, or you know the Islanders—they have a lot of depth on defense. But right now they're playing Nick Letty, who is their best offensive defenseman, uh, arguably their best defenseman, and Travis Hamnick, who is a beast in his own zone. But this season he's he struggled so much uh, that clearly it's not working with Letty. So let's have a change. Right. But yet here's Capuano putting him out on the top line in front of everybody's best best pairs. Like I don't get it. How how short is Capuano's leash at this point, or is there no <laughs> leash? I, I see. There's there's a leash. There's a short leash with a lot of people, and then there's also no leash at all with some players. Right. There's not really a good middle ground. Guys like Ryan Strom, Alan Quine, and Anthony Beauvillier, they're constantly getting scratched. Um, so you know, if I think that's also part of Capuano's system. I think if not scratching players, but yeah. uh, you know maybe maybe Strom is afraid to pull off that between the legs dangle around a defenseman because if he doesn't get it off cleanly and he turns the puck over, he's like, oh crap! Now I'm gonna sit for the next game because I just tried something cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's just a thought, but when yeah. when these guys have such short leashes, they want to play as simple hockey as possible. But that doesn't that doesn't translate to a player who was drafted so high because of his natural born skill set, you know, like if you, if you've got a guy like, I mean, Jason Chimera, he is skilled, but he's not the kind of talent that, uh, you know, I'm looking at NHL.com right now and I see Jeff Skinner's face. Like let's, let's compare it to like Jeff Skinner or Connor McDavid who just popped up too. Uh, Those are guys who, you know, are going to pull off a move and they're going to snipe it on you. Uh, A guy like Jason Chimera, he's big, he's fast, he's physical. He'll get up to the blue line. He'll dump it in. He'll hit the defenseman off the puck, and now you've got it under the under the goal line. So it's Cappy's system, and it's just not suited to the type of players that Garcia was drafting. Yeah, no, I get it. It seems like a disconnect there. We had a pretty yeah, pretty sure. similar situation when it came to Tortorella, actually, for a while. I mean, they were successful to an extent. They went to the Eastern Conference Finals with him, but... Before he just ran all those legs into the ground, everybody was just exhausted after his system. And I think Columbus of is course. on the, the first half of that where they're on the <laughs> upswing. But yeah, a lot of yeah. similarities with Tortorella. He would make guys uh, just play the simplistic dump and chase, and, and they really were not free to try to experiment and take, you know, use their skill set necessarily. And a guy that struggled yeah. was Chris Kreider, who is a powerful oh, yeah. guy, but he's not really a dump and chase guy. You know, when you have the ability to just skate by people, but Tortorella would bark at him every time he just took it into the zone by himself. So, yeah, a lot of similarities there for sure. Yeah. yeah, And, and, and Tort- yeah, Tortorella, Tortorella would also be the coach to bench you if you took stupid penalties and things like that, which I think is sort mm-hmm. of along the lines of what Capuano would do also. So Kreider was always holding back his play a little bit so that he wouldn't take a stupid penalty and be benched or sent down to the minors. So that was kind of a, right. a thing going back and forth with Tortorella and Kreider. And I'm sure Capuano and some of your younger players 
are also yeah. going through those growing pains too. Yeah, like uh, look at a guy like Matthew Barzell. Uh, in case you don't know, he was drafted 16th overall in 2015. Uh, this was a guy who originally was supposed to be a top five, top ten pick in the draft. Uh, he hurt himself a season prior, kind of fell a little bit, uh, but he's he is considered you know the second line center of the future behind Tavares on uh, in Brooklyn. Uh, he gets into his first NHL game and he takes he takes a penalty against the Capitals, and then. Once this penalty expires, the puck comes towards the penalty box and the door is open and he touches it with his stick, but he's still standing in the box mm. and that is illegal. And yeah. the look on his face, he's like, well, I know I'm not going to get into any more games. Right. Uh, right. He just knew he, he ended up he ended up taking six, six minutes of penalties. So three penalties in that game alone. Oh, okay. um, and so, as you know, you can keep players around. Uh, he's only 19. So you can keep a player around for nine games before the first year of his entry-level yep. contract expires. Mm -hmm. um, nine games. You have a nine-game tryout. So then my question, uh, I'm looking at you, uh, Jack, is why did he play two games? You know? You've yeah. got a guy who is complete. He's got all the offensive ability in the world. Is he lacking defensively? Sure. Is he lacking in size? Yeah, he's 19. He's small. Uh, but he's going to get there. But why aren't you giving him the NHL experience of you know starting in a game? He's got two. He has two NHL games under his belt. They he both each time he had like eleven minutes, um, and to be honest, he was lucky that he got into one after that you know horrible stint in Washington at all. Mm. Uh, it's just with Capuano's you know prior experiences, uh, and then we've got a guy like Beauvillier. This is his. He's a rookie. He's also nineteen. Same draft as uh, as Barzal. It's twenty eighth overall, uh, and he's. I think I really think the reason he's sticking around is because he's so versatile. He's got the offense. Uh, maybe not as strong as Barzal, but he's got the shot. Uh, defensively, he's he's kind of a pest. He's kind of like a Zeke's Clutterbuck type, but with offensive abilities, uh, which really fits right into Capuano's style. Uh, but then why is he being scratched every other night for an AHLer like Alan Quine? I mean, this is a good player. He had that double overtime game winner in uh, Florida last season. Uh, but is Alan Quine really going to give you more of an advantage over a guy with the type of skill set that Anthony Beauvillier has. But then, guys, it just all comes back to Capuano's system, and we could talk for another half an hour about it. Right, 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 right. No, I totally understand that. Uh, it sounds, yeah, it's brutal when you have these guys that have the upside, but you might not necessarily even get to see it because of bad coaching decisions. So Exactly. I get exactly. it. I get it. It's That's rough. But, uh, but yeah, so thank you so much, buddy, for, for joining Real Talk Rangers here. Uh, of course actually learned a lot about the Islanders and some names that maybe listeners haven't really heard too much about, but it's always good to know your tri-state area teams even, not even within it's the division, true. right down the road, right down know the subway. <laughs> know your enemy. Know your enemy. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yes. So so yes. thank you so much, buddy, for coming on. If you want to you wanna plug your show for all the listeners. Yeah. Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, first, you guys can follow me on Twitter at BuddyPack. Follow the blog because I know and would – kick my butt if i didn't say this uh at gotham sports <laughs> network at gotham sn um and the podcast is pt isles you can listen to an audio boom soundcloud and uh itunes so check that out uh me joe bono of isles blog and uh my buddy james duffy at two turtle duffs great twitter handle uh awesome. we just chat about the islanders usually it's uh it's us talking about drinking bleach and turning off the tv because this team is trash but it makes good content so we can't complain 
right, buddy. Thanks for thanks there for There you have on. it. Thanks so much, uh, buddy. Thanks for having me, guys. Maybe we'll have to have you guys on some PTI Isles to talk Isles Rangers. Sounds yeah, good. Sure. Anytime. Well, let us know. Awesome. All right. Have a good one, guys. Thanks. Right, take it easy. And that was our interview with Alex Buddy Peck. Buddy. We, we really, really enjoyed that. We got a lot of lot of insight on the Islanders. Learn things, learn guys that I really have heard their name like once or twice. And a lot of good comparisons between Capuano's system and Tortorella. And just you can see the differences that a coach's system makes. And when players are given opportunities to thrive in an up-tempo system like that, then their careers could possibly take a different path. So, but again, awesome, awesome stuff from Buddy. So thanks again to Buddy. And be sure to check out PT Isles Pod and follow him on Twitter. So let's get into the week ahead here. First up, Thursday night, we are in Big D. So we're in Dallas. I don't the know D. if Jerry Jones is going to be in attendance. but Doubt it. Doubt it. Doubt it. Doubt he knows what the, what the stars are. You could ask nope. him, but nope. not sure. So Dallas is 12-13-6, right? So they're under 500. So we've already actually mentioned on this show that Dallas has had real problems, real continuing issues with their goaltending situation. I actually have the numbers up here. So they kind of do go with a 50-50 split in essence. So right now they've got uh, Carrie Lettinen is kind of their 1A or or whatever failing grade they have. So he is 6-10-3 with a 2-9-2 and an 8-94 save percentage. Then you got Antin Yemi, who has a cup, and he's 6-3-3, three, three, great record, and he's got a 3.12 with a 9.06 save percentage. So regardless, I think that you might be able to see the Rangers score a whole bunch of goals in this game, I would hope. Especially, uh, might even get Rick Nash back. What, what do you think? Yeah, there's no, there's no hiding Dallas. Dallas is struggling specifically on the defensive side of the puck and and the goalie situation there. Um, you know, they can, they can score some goals. Um, Sagan's having a good year as always. Jamie Ben is having a very streaky year. His numbers are good. He's got nine goals and 18 assists. Um, so it looks good on paper. 27 to 31. Yeah. But, but very, very streaky. I mean, he, he's on my fantasy team. So I, I, you know, I study this guy night in and night out He'll put up nothing for five, six games in a row, and then he's got this—he's got this famous one goal, two assist night that he does every few games, and that's just how he rolls. That's how he keeps his numbers up. But he's very inconsistent this year. Um, hopefully tomorrow night he's having an off night, and most likely because last game was one of his one goal, two assist games. So I'm thinking no way he does that back to back. So hopefully we can shut him down. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully he doesn't buck the trend against us. Uh, I hope not. I agree, though. On It's really interesting. They're, they're a weird team. I mean, they have – the offensive guys are still producing. Like, you, you have Sagan. He's got 10 goals and 21 assists in 31 games. He's at a point a game. But the overall team is really struggling. And, again, as we have talked about, until they get a consistent goalie presence and their defense steps up, they're just going to keep losing, I think. I mean, they did just beat a pretty – okay Ducks team decent Ducks team six to two so they're going to score goals but I mean if you have solid goaltending and a team that can counter their defense to any extent then you're going to score a lot of goals especially with the Rangers depth I think the third line can take 
full advantage on Thursday. So I'm expecting two points any sort of way in Dallas. Yeah, Dallas Dallas has got two sieves in the net right now. I mean, they can't stop anything. Everything goes pretty much goes right through them. You shoot the puck on the net, it's going in. So if we can get 30, 40 shots, I think we'll be okay with uh, you know having two sieves back there. Yeah, pretty much. It's like a Pizza Hut buffet. So Saturday <laughs> yeah. night, we're in Nashville. And yeah, primetime in, in Nashville. I like that. Little little honky tonk feel to it. Hell yeah. So hell we've yeah. got uh we've got Nashville, they're coming in, they're thirteen, eleven, and four, so they're a couple games above five hundred. I don't know all too much about Nashville, I'll be honest. I know they struggled out of the gate and obviously the big splash of the offseason was Nashville trading for yeah. PK Subban and trading away Shea Weber and PK Subban. Montreal's won that trade so far. You could say that. So far, they got exactly what they wanted in their locker room. The guy's been putting up points, and he's just crushing people, and they're winning games. But PK, I mean, he's got seven goals and ten assists in 28 games. Uh, they are 5 4 and 1 their last 10. They just beat a really good St. Louis Blues team 6 3. So I've looked at their, their numbers, and they don't really have, like, as opposed to the Stars, who have really top heavy point producers I think Nashville is a lot more spread out so their top point scorer is Ryan Johansson he's got six goals and 14 assists they've got guys with 20 points 19 19 17 17 17 17 16 right so it, it's pretty spread out so I think they What's would be Forsberg's line Forsberg has three goals and 14 assists He's at 17 oh, wow. points he's having, in 28 games. Yeah, he's at a, so he's having a down year. A down year. But his shot percentage is at 4.2. That's got to go up. It's going to revert yeah. back oh, yeah. to the mean at some yeah. point. But I think that the depth and the quality of the team makes them a little bit more of a difficult matchup for the Rangers. I think that one should be a real real good test for us, actually. Yeah, Pekka, Pekka Rene has been, been really good of late. And also, the other thing going against us is... Nashville's actually 10 uh 10-2 and 2 at home and then 3-9 and 2 away. So we're playing them at home on Saturday. So that's definitely not looking great for us, but again they're, you know, they're not a high high quality team and the way we've been playing, I I, ex- I expect to for it to be a tough competition, but I think we can pull one out of there. And the other thing is like we've said a million times is it going to be is it going to be Ronta? Is it going to be is it going to be Lundqvist? It's going to be a day by day thing I think from for the next couple of weeks. So Right. We'll and I like the fact that although historically you would say you'd look at that and go, oh, it's the first leg of a back to back. So you don't get one. You're going to get the other. Now it's not really a lock anymore. I like Definitely that. Definitely not. So yep. AV is playing the hot hand as he should. If a guy shuts somebody out, if Hank comes in and shuts out Nashville and Nashville on Saturday night, why the hell wouldn't you play him Sunday against Got the it. Devils? Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I, I like where AV's at. And he's not just, you know, writing out a guidebook that he's using from September and he's opening it up in fucking April and May. So, well, you know, you know, he does that a lot. So this is, he's going out of his comfort. That's zone what I'm now. saying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's the, that's per the course, the usual. Right. So it's, right. it's nice to see him actually shake up a little bit. Uh, and I think that that would be the right call. So we'll see who plays on Saturday, but regardless, they will probably fly directly out of Nashville right after the game and come home Sunday night and play the devils again. Deja vu. As we did last weekend, if we get another five nothing win, as we did last weekend, I would be thrilled with that. So I I would expect that game to be much tighter on the. Devil I agree, end. absolutely um, agree. I 
so the Devils though have lost three in a row. Their last ten, they're three, four, and three, and they have the second lowest total goals for in the East. And I, I pulled up Corey Schneider's numbers partially because I'm. Oh, pretty, why'd you do that? Pretty angry and upset that I've been rolling him out of my fantasy lineup all year. <laughs> Such a high draft pick. But oh, so last year he finished the year 27, 25, and six with a 2.15 and a 9.24 save percentage, winning games by himself. This year so far, I think it's a pretty decent sample size, a little more than a third of the way through. He's nine, eight, and four, so he still has a winning record somehow. And he's got a 2.83 and a 9.07 save percentage. So, what's going on with New Jersey? Is this just a product? of Schneider getting worse or having a down year or they tried to transition offense with the Taylor Hall acquisition. Do they miss Larson? Do you you have any insight? I have have no idea what's going on. You know, I haven't watched them specifically to be able to answer that, but my gut tells me it's something to do with the defense because Corey Schneider is a really, really good goalie. And, and his numbers aren't down enough where I would say to myself, something's wrong with his actual technique or his actual play that sounds to me like he just has a weaker defense in front of him yeah I, th- I think that's probably the most the most logical answer yeah that uh also just noteworthy live little live highlight my other fancy goalie matt murray just absolutely muffed to play no no <laughs> shocker there so love it yeah but that's the week ahead so those are three solid games this little weekend slate of action for the rangers and I, li- I like where we're at. I, you know, you got to keep pace at this point, as we previously mentioned in the first part of this podcast. You really got to keep pace with these other teams. We had a couple weeks where we went 500, win-loss for eight games, and now we are right in the thick of a five-team race that are separated by two points at the top of the Metro, which is by far the best division in hockey at the moment. So they're going to need to keep winning these games, keep uh, accumulating points, at this point in the season, can't really let anything slip up. Hopefully Nash will come back soon. I'd love to see an update on Buchnevich soon because we could surely use his goal scoring and a little spark from him. So, but yeah, that's the week, that's the week ahead. Uh, want to jump around the league? Yeah, let's jump, jump around the league. What, what do you got? So, so do you want this podcast to get really just dirty and grungy and just, just a, sh- just shitty little, little locker room talk? Let's let's a uh, little locker room talk. Just a bunch of shitheads. Let's go down to Philly for a little bit. Oh, um, you know, I this is a Rangers podcast, and I apologize that we have to bring up Philly at all. But it's it's worth noting Philly is on a very hot streak right now. Um, nine wins in a row, and like we've mentioned, nine wins in a row, and they're still fifth in the Metro. In the Metro, not the conference. In the Metro, they're fifth. Um, Thirty nine points. Wayne Simmons is having himself a year. Um, He's one of those guys, I'm sure if you've watched him play, you hate watching him, but I guarantee if he was on your team, you'd like him. He's, plays that, he's incredible. Plays, he's yeah, incredible. he plays, plays that dirty, grinding game. He's always involved in everything. Uh, 31 games this year, 15 goals, 13 assists, 28 points, um, 8 power play goals, 14 power play points. He's, he's having quite the year. His shot percentage is 18.8. I would I would love to see a heat graph of where those goals are being scored from because I bet you at least 75% of them are within, oh, within a three foot feet. of the goal. Oh, yeah. Unbelievable. Oh, yeah. The Rangers really have never had that that guy. So I've always admired him from afar while also hating the shit out of his team. 
yeah, the goalie crease would be about as red as the sun uh, for Wayne Simmons. He All his goals come right in front of the net, and that's where he makes his living, and he's really good at it. Yep. I don't want to talk too much about Philly. If you have anything to add, make it quick, because I'd really like to get off the topic, because I hate the Flyers. Yeah, fuck the Flyers. That's what Bunch I want to shit that's heads out there. Grimy. Although, I, although uh, you know, Claude Giroux is having a great year on my fantasy team. So. Et Claude Giroux. Et Claude, Et Claude Giroux. So, yeah. Uh, we can we can end it there. Okay, let's get out of Philly. Let's get out of Philly. Terrible taste in my mouth. So what do you got? We've got. I got a little Olympics update. Red alert. Oh, kind of early for that, huh? Definitely early. So, but there is a deadline coming up. Okay. For the NHL, uh, uh, yeah. the league, and the players' association to make a decision as to whether NHL players will be participating in the 2018 Olympics in South Korea. So those Olympics are about 14 months away. It's in early 2018. And as of right now, the International Olympic Committee, so the IOC, they are not going to be paying for NHL players' travel. They're not going to be paying for NHL players' insurance. And they have been paying for those things since 1998. So this is the first time in 20 years that they're not going to be paying and that makes it a really tough decision because that money is going to have to come from the players and from the union and also from the league. And it's, they said, the numbers said that in 2014, the Olympics in Russia, the IOC spent about $14 million to cover, cover travel and insurance for NHL players. So $14 million is not, you know, pocket change, especially for, for the NHL, maybe in some other leagues, maybe in football, but we've got – so you got – yeah, 2014, it was covered by the IOC. The owners apparently – Bettman said that the owners told him that there's a negative sentiment about it. Uh, and also, boo, because I, I mentioned Gary <laughs> Bettman. So I, I just don't know. What do you think – what are your thoughts on NHL players at the Olympics? Like, I mean, we grew up only having that as the standard, and as, as the norm. So how weird would it be to watch for, for- only – amateurs play first of all gary bettman is the biggest fucking pigeon out there i swear to god second he's biggest. He, he's well to, to pierre mcguire yeah, obviously pierre but McGuire. pierre's in his own fucking league so you know you know but anyways enough pigeon talk yeah. um you know i i whenever i think about the olympics i automatically think of the cream of the crop top players in in the world taking the nhl players out of that you're not talking about the cream of the crop anymore you're not talking about the best players in the world so I think naturally um, you're taking away from the games. I do think there's a cool element to the having amateurs play in it. It brings me, you know, it doesn't bring me do you back. believe in brings, miracles? Yeah, exactly. It brings me back to the miracle team, even though I was, wasn't close to being, you know, I wasn't a thought yet in my parents' uh, head there. But, um, you know, there's something cool about that. But at the same time, I want to watch the best players compete against each other, and I'm only going to get that if NHL players go to the Olympics. That's the bottom line for me. Agreed. I think politics aside, uh, yeah, there's no reason why the Olympics should be anything less than an absolute gem of a tournament, and you want to have the best players and the best talent playing for the world to see. I mean, that's really the bottom line. The Olympics is is one of my favorite hockey times of the of. every four years it's the best it's it's just the best you don't you don't really see a lot of international competition that's why the world cup this summer was was also really nice because it's just it's a lot rarer 
than it feel like at this point to see international tournaments and stuff like that. Unless you you're plugged into like the World Juniors and stuff, but just to see the very very top players matching up with guys who they see you know once every couple of years to play with, uh, it, it's the best talent on display. So yeah, I would yeah, hope I, that, that they figure that, that out. Yeah, that USA Russia game in the last uh, Winter Olympics there, uh, that goes the you know twenty something round shootout or what you know whatever it was, uh, basically Oshi versus uh, uh, Ilya Kovalchuk there, mm-hmm. um, and Datsuk. Uh, that that's and as good Putin, as it gets. And Putin. Yeah, and, yeah, and Putin. <laughs> yeah. I mean that's I think that's he snuck on much, the ice. Yeah. That's pretty much as as good as it gets. So you know I don't. I I much prefer having NHL players play there just because, like I said, I want to see the best players competing. That's the bottom line. Yeah. Um, interestingly, interestingly enough, also, I read very briefly an article talking about the um, NHL and the, and the NHL Players Association saying that – I don't know the exact details, but saying that if the NHL wasn't going to allow their players – to go to the Olympics, that they're not going to agree to a new collective bargaining agreement, which AKA basically means there's going to be a lockout once the collective bargaining agreement ends currently. Um, so hopefully we can get them in the Olympics and avoid any kind of lockouts because lockouts are the worst things that can happen. You talk about not watch, not watching hockey for six, eight months at a time, just praying that one day that little fucking pigeon Pierre, uh, sorry, that, see, I'm thinking Pierre again, that little <laughs> pigeon, a little pigeon Bettman's going to come out and say, oh, we've come to an agreement. We can play hockey now. <laughs> and then everyone boos him. And, you know, so wow. let's just pray, I, I let's just we pray had for another on our pod lockout. for a second there. Yeah, yeah that's basically Bettman Pretty in the good. background. But uh, but let's just pray for that we don't have to watch another or not watch another lockout year, I guess. Um, agreed. agreed. Three I'm lockouts gonna, since 1993 for the NHL. So don't I'm gonna I'm going to segue into something that the Players Association probably did not like hearing. Um, this happened a couple weeks ago. Um, Patrick Maroon, and if you've heard about this, bear with us, but I, I feel like we have to mention it. Um, so he got in trouble. Um, Connor McDavid got hit, uh, kind of fell, got hit behind the net, hit his head on the ice. Uh, one of the spotters up in the NHL games that watch for concussions calls him out. He gets called out of the game, you know, in a tie game. And after the game, Patrick Maroon says this, and I'm going to quote it. Um, this is a man's game. People are going to get hit, get high-sticked. They're going to go through the middle and get hit. That's part of hockey. That's why we all have the gear that protects us. Yes, if someone gets seriously hurt, we're concerned. But if he just fell, uh, got tripped, I just don't get it. And then he repeats, it's a man's game. Now, to me, that is not such a big deal. I think that you know the, the, the uproar was about him saying it's a man's game. That's disrespectful to women who play hockey. Um, to me, it's just a phrase I don't, you know, he came out later saying that he, he's, he's not against women playing hockey. He's not against women, period. He was talking about the NHL, where only men play in the NHL, and all these other things. But, of course, it just got extremely blown out of proportion. Uh, let me just hear your thoughts on it real quick. And then I got some real good, some real good Twitter, uh, Twitter uh, comments going on for this. But just what's your thought on that? So, yeah, I, I think that the whole sexism aspect of it is completely overblown. This guy, this guy didn't mean anything at all. No slights against women at all. I mean, he's not. It's not even a thought in his mind. Just put yourself in his shoes. That's not what he's thinking about. It's a saying phrase. it's a man's it's a game. It's a phrase. It's it's and it's true. It's a tough, tough man's game. He left out the word tough, but essentially, it's the same thing. He's just saying that, 
you know, it's 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 pretty much the toughest sport to play in his mind is what he's saying. I do not agree with him on the concussion protocol aspect of it. Yeah, because, neither do I. Yeah. Because, I mean, you just cannot rush something like that. You can't take it lightly in this day and age because you know the repercussions and how much more extensive the damage can be if and when you do not properly address it right away. So regardless of the fact that, you know, maybe it hurt the Oilers' chances of scoring a goal in those couple minutes at the time, and even if Maroon had a clean, totally clean view and saw the whole thing and McDavid never hit his head and whatever it is, you want to see these independent uh, concussion doctors getting right in there, getting in the mix and doing their jobs because in the long run, that's going to save people, and that's that's what you want. That's why those people are there. That's what the the modern uh, diagnosis has become, and I just think that no matter what he sees or what he says, that uh, they were absolutely in the right to stop play and get him out of the game there. Yeah, I, I completely agree with the concussion protocol. I just wonder maybe if they can improve it a little bit and just – possibly have uh somebody closer to the ice maybe someone near the benches who can kind of talk to the players on ice before they have to be actually escorted out of the ring to be checked um i think it'll just sort of expedite the whole process i think the nfl kind of does that they have people on the sidelines as opposed to players having to run into the tunnel and go get checked out in the locker room so i think that's something they can look into but i completely agree it needs to be done concussions are a huge deal in sports now um, but I just want to go really quickly back into this Twitter comment about the sexism part of it, which is to us just completely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. This is Zo- Zoe Claire uh, shot a shot a fire tweet back at uh, <laughs> at at Can't Patrick wait. Maroon. At Patrick Maroon, there it goes. So Pat Maroon isn't just shitting on women; he's shitting on everyone who likes this sport who doesn't fit into his rigid category of a man. I mean, this is the the quintessential. Ugh reason why twitter is so ridiculous for people like this who take something out of context so so uh unharmful and just make it culture like holy yeah and just make it into this huge deal like he like he just went around saying that women are the worst people alive and i hate all of them i mean the guy said a phrase that people have been saying for hundreds of years with no repercussions and then here comes twitter there you go and it takes off but we That's can stop. Terrible. We can stop it there. But I just wanted to point it out. I, I'm in full support of Patrick Maroon. I do not think he meant nearly what people think he meant. He was just stating a fact. Um, yeah, agreed. He also said at some point later that he he didn't go to like, something like I I play hockey. I don't I don't go to school. I don't play school. Oh, yeah. something he, like he that. Did. He did say he did say that he just plays hockey and he doesn't do school. Yeah. And then and then he also said after that to the media that he sh- the media should stop blowing it up because without him they wouldn't have a job, which is a classic line. Hilarious. So, Love it. So wonder what Larry that. Brooks would have to say about that one. Larry Brooks but, uh, would write some, some sarcastic article about it. Um, <laughs> it was it funny. was fun. It was funny. Uh, 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 yep. Um, but one quick thing around the league, and then we'll, and then we'll end the show. We're going a little long today. Yeah. So Patrick Laine, everyone knows he's a great goal scorer. But did you know he's also really great at scoring on his own goal? Yeah. Did you, did you see well, this? Well, now we've so, all found out. So if you haven't seen this, go look up uh, Patrick Laine's own goal. Um, someone took a shot on the opposing team against his goalie. The goalie kicks out the rebound. It's a huge rebound that gets kicked out. Patrick Line is coming back on the back check, and I think he had a fucking brain fart for the century 
because he snapped a wrist shot quicker than I've ever seen anyone snap a shot yep. straight into his own goal, yep. top shelved it. I mean, he roofed this thing into his own net. People claim he was trying to clear it. No way. That dude forgot what side of the ice he was on. And <laughs> Absolutely. Just and just ripped a clapper into the top shelf of his own net. The funny thing is, after he does it, he comes back to the bench. He knows he just screwed up. And by the way, it was the game-winning goal. He scored his own game-winning goal or game-losing goal. Did I Yahoo guess I give him call. that? Yeah. Uh, Yahoo did not give that to him, but I give props to Blake Wheeler, who's the captain over there. He went over to him on the bench and started cheering him up and was whispering some things to him. So, you know, he is still a rookie. He's a great goal scorer, but, you know, terrible thing to happen to him. But I'm sure he'll bounce back and score, you know, 40 more goals. But just probably great, great video to watch if you haven't seen it because he ripped it into his own net. An unbelievable goal. Agree, agreed. That it was pretty great video. Pretty funny. Uh, gonna close on this. Speaking of another video to watch, this was kind of a cool one, uh, and it was from Rangerstown. So the other night when the Rangers lost to the Blackhawks at the Garden, when Jesper Foss scored his goal, they went to the replay to confirm it. And I guess somewhere lost in the shuffle, it was confirmed, it was a clear goal. Somewhere lost in the shuffle, the, uh, the the announcer, the PA guy at the Garden did not play the full goal song. And yeah, yeah, yeah. At some point after the the goal, like the one or two of them, the song just stops and the Garden keeps going. And it's, I actually would advocate to do that every single time. Like, you can play the song a little bit for the goal part, but for the hey chant, it was actually, if you haven't seen it, watch the video. It was, like, borderline intimidating. For the, it was like, electric. It was electric. It, it was it's great. Electric. It's kind of like a way, way, way better version than the yes, yes, yes chant. Sorry, buddy. But, yeah, I, I just think <laughs> that they, they should do that more. It was really, really cool, and the crowd was super into it, and it was really, really loud. So I, I'm a big advocate for that. I liked it a lot. I'm but, with you uh, there. I loved it. Yeah. So that's it. That's our show for today. Enjoy uh, listening. Be sure to subscribe. Tell all your friends to subscribe on iTunes and give us five stars. Again, one more quick thank you to Alex Buddy Peck for giving us all of his insight about the Islanders. We'll be sure to hopefully have him back on at some point, catch up. And yeah, that, that'll do it for this week. Uh, for, for Derek, I'm Greg. Have an excellent week. Let's go, Rangers. Let's go, Rangers. East Little Town Blues Are melting away I'm gonna make a brand new start of it up.